Hello and welcome to Being Boss episode number 90. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Being boss in work and life is being in it. It's being who we are, doing the work, breaking some rules, and even though we each have to do it on our own, being boss is knowing we're in it together. Today, we are talking to our dear friend, Beryl Young. She is the founder of Recapture Self, a community of creative moms dedicated to finding their true identity beyond being mom. But today, we are talking to Beryl all about her journey of going from working a full-time job to being a side-hustling creative to then quitting her job, making the leap, and working for herself. And you guys, we get into the nitty-gritty details of what that looks like. We're also talking to Beryl about being a mom and being a boss and juggling all of it. Can you have it all? We don't know. We'll talk about that. Hey, I want to pause here for a second and give you an important money tip brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. So the tip is this. Stay on top of your expenses to avoid mountains of stress at tax time. I know that it's mid-year and you're not even thinking about doing taxes in 2017, but if you start now, you will be thanking yourself later. You can link FreshBooks to your credit card and debit cards and import your expenses automatically. So next time you expense that business lunch or tank of gas, watch it magically appear in your FreshBooks account. It makes keeping track so easy. And you can try FreshBooks for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section whenever you sign up and you don't even need a credit card to get started. Oh, and hey, you can expense your FreshBooks account if you decide to keep going. All right, back to our episode. Beryl, I'm so glad that you are here today. Thank you for joining me and Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So we we met Beryl, um, I guess we officially met you a couple of weekends ago, but we have been masterminding with you for a Almost couple of six months. months. Has it been that? I was thinking about that the other day. I don't even know how, how long are we supposed to be doing it? <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody know? I believe it's six months. Yeah. Right? We've been doing it since like April. Yeah. So we've been hanging out once a week with Beryl um, on Google Hangouts uh, for a mastermind group. And so we've gotten to know Beryl and what she does. And I think where Kathleen and I both like super fell in love with you was at our mastermind retreat recently. And I think Kathleen, like girl crushed on you, on you, Southern girl. Um, Whenever she asked you like, what do you want to be known for? And just like threw it out at her. Like... That was a pretty amazing moment, actually. Right. Because I was, because I've been struggling with that in our mastermind for five months. And like the, what should I be known for versus what do I actually want to be known for? Which I think is hard as a business owner. And I was immediately like, well, I want to help moms find their identity. That's what I want to do. And I love how say what you mean. I love how you get really say what you mean there. I want to help moms find their identity. And if you can be that concise, you have a solid brand. So, Beryl, let's start there with helping moms find their identity. Have you been on this path yourself? Like, tell us a little bit about your creative journey as a creative entrepreneur. Yeah, so that was really how my journey started, was finding my identity, which is why I think I'm so passionate about that piece of my journey now. 
So my business started, it's almost, we'll go with seven-ish years because I never started with the intention of having a business. Uh, my husband and I were thinking about getting pregnant. We didn't have kids at the time. And I had kind of picked up photography. I was always very creative and I valued photography. Uh, but as we were starting a family and I started researching how much newborn pictures would cost versus wedding pictures, I was like, oh, holy shit, I'm not going to be able to afford my newborn pictures. So I was like, maybe I should learn this myself. So I picked up a camera, which is a big part of the journey as well. And I started taking pictures. And about three months into dedicating myself to taking a photo a day, uh, I got pregnant, which was amazing and um, a little bit sad for my photography journey all in one because the project that I had started where I was taking a photo a day, as soon as morning sickness kicked in, I was like, nope, not taking pictures anymore. <laughs> There's nothing cute about that phase of your life. <laughs> no, I was like, it'll be a picture of me in my bed every day. Like, that's not fun for anybody. Wait, but were you still working a day job at this point? Yes. So my background is in teaching. I was an elementary teacher for 10 years before uh, going this other path. So I taught kindergarten, first grade, and technology to teachers for seven of those years. Okay. So I'm a little bit curious about this, about morning sickness and I think that it's a burden, especially that women have to carry whenever we are our own bosses and we also want to grow a family. We have very physical demands on our bodies, like pregnancy and even beyond pregnancy with just being up all night, sleep deprivation. Um, And obviously, people who are not pregnant or Um, are not planning on having children have their own struggles that come with being a boss. But today, we're specifically talking about kind of being a mom and being a boss and starting up a side hustle while working a full-time job and really the transition of how all that works. So I'm curious to hear about you had this morning sickness and your passion project took a backseat to that. Yeah. Because probably all you could manage was going to the job that pays the bills Correct. Okay. And so that did have to take a back seat. I had to be okay with that. And at that point, I mean, the side hustle was literally taking pictures. Like there was no motive behind it besides I'm just going to be creative. Passion project. Um, Passion project as a side hustle is a perfectly admirable thing. Totally. Um, unfortunately, that first pregnancy ended in a loss. So it, and that was really the like pivoting moment in going from, this is just a creative passion project to what more can I do with this? Um, so our daughter Bella was, I was 20 weeks pregnant when we lost her. It was on September 11th, 2009. Uh, and that I'm was so sorry. Yeah. It was really difficult to wrestle with because I hadn't dealt with loss much at all in my life. I had lost one or two of my grandparents when I was younger, but that was really my experience with loss and with grief. And the only way that I knew to communicate in that during that time was with my words and with my camera. And so I started a blog because I had to go back to my day job two weeks after the loss. Oh. And yeah, so it was this moment of like, oh, I don't really want to interact with the world right now, but I have to. 
And so the blog, I started as a way to communicate what I was feeling without having to actually talk to people. So introvert problems also. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this and I don't want to talk to you. And so I'll just start a blog. And so I was sharing my pictures and I was sharing my words. And then people started asking me if I took pictures professionally, which was sort of an odd, like, moment in the journey. It was like, well, wait, people are reading this. And they want me to take pictures for them. And that's really when it like shifted in my brain of like, oh, maybe I should learn what to do with this and how I can harness this into something bigger. Maybe there's a bigger message here. So what was your blog about? Was it a way for you to grieve and go through that process? Or was it a creative outlet? Was it a distraction from the grief? Tell me a little bit more about that. I would say it was all of the above. So I think it more started as a distraction. I was looking for different photo projects I could do. I was looking for a community to connect with that understood the loss process I was dealing with. And I also wanted my friends and my family to understand what this process was like through pictures and through words. I started getting comments from people, oh my gosh, you're a really good writer, which I'd never heard before in my life, which was kind of crazy. Um, and then I pretty quickly jumped in. And I think like one piece of advice, if I can impart to listeners, it's sometimes you just have to jump <laughs> and do it. Yeah. And so somebody asked me to take pictures and I'm like, all right, let's learn how to run a business. So I went to a workshop about running a photography business. I did that for a very short time. It was probably about a year that I had like a family photography business. I hesitate to even say I had a real like family photography business, but it was a good breeding ground and learning space to actually learn how to run a business. So I learned about working with clients and um, it it was good. And then I realized – we had another daughter a year later, so pretty quickly we got pregnant again. And my daughter, Brielle, is almost six now. And once she was born, I was like, well, I don't want to be out taking pictures for other people <laughs> anymore. And so then it was really figuring out how I could combine all of my loves, teaching and photography and blogging into one cohesive thing. Okay, I want to rewind a little bit back into the blog and someone tells you that you're a good writer and you're getting attention for your photos. I'm curious how that really shaped your identity as a creative and how I've been thinking a lot lately about labels and I was labeled as a creative from the get-go, from the very beginning of time. I came out of the womb and people were saying, oh, you're so creative and different. So I felt like I had a lot of permission around that. So I'm curious, um, Beryl, when you, like, did you have to at some point grapple with having the permission or feeling confident enough to say, you know what, I am good at writing. I am, I can take photos. Like what was the turning point for you there? Oh, that's such a juicy topic right there, right? <laughs> so I was that girl in high school who would always like try out for the school play or who would like try out for district choir. And all my friends were really, really good and they would make it into these like higher levels of things and I wouldn't. So I definitely had my own worthiness identity journey uh, to wrestle with. So I always liked being creative, but I didn't know what my place in the creative world was. And I knew during high school and college that it probably wasn't going to be music or theater. 
But I had to figure out what that was. And when people started to recognize, oh, you're a good writer or you take good pictures, I was like, oh, there must be something to this. And I had to just kind of step up into that, like, oh, somebody else is recognizing this in me. Let me recognize this in myself and be confident enough to keep putting that my work out there. Yes. That is so boss. I have um, I have a question about – so we talked about your shift of like, you know, side hustle to like – side business and from like side photography business to um to what is now like digital product would you call it like digital yeah product? I call it digital product yeah. education yeah so I'm going to talk about your shift though from day job to your side hustle being your full-time job so at what point did you throw in the towel with being a teacher and decide you were going to to become a work-at-home mom who's busting out some online business yeah, so I quickly, I pretty quickly, once I figured out that I wanted to be teaching, I pretty quickly started telling people, I'm on a five-year plan. I'm on a five-year plan. That was in 2010 when my daughter was born. And the five-year plan slowly went down to the four-year plan and then the three-year plan. And I love what you ladies are doing because you're giving this community and this space for people to be boss. It wasn't until I hired a mentor who had kind of been through the work before me that I could see how the pieces of the puzzle could start fitting together. Because I was teaching a couple of photography classes locally. I had developed an online course for moms that were grieving from loss. Like I had all this, these hodgepodges of pieces, but I didn't have a cohesive, like, well, what's the business plan? And the communication with my husband at the time was, well, if you can replace your day job income, then you can quit your job. Because <laughs> we are equal wage earners. So it wasn't like I could just up and leave and we'd be okay. It was this huge conversation that had to happen in our family. So in 2010 was when I started working with a mentor and got that bigger plan of, well, this is how you should rebrand yourself. This is, and all of it came from elements of what I was already doing. And I really decided to own the fact that I wanted to use my uh, ability in education to teach and mentor moms how to use their cameras. That was where I found that I could do the best work and make the biggest impact. And so I came home from my first coaching and mentoring meeting with a huge long list of this is what you need to do to your website. This is what you need to do on social media. This is what you need to do with your newsletter. And I was overwhelmed, but I was also really excited and energized by it. Okay, so I want to go back to this five-year plan because I've never had a five-year plan. <laughs> I, I don't know what's plan? involved. Three weeks yeah. well, on a good day. <laughs> I have I think a today that- plan. No, but like I, what I'm really curious to hear about is what did you need in order for you to feel confident enough confident enough to quit your job. So you mentioned that you and your husband had the discussion that once you could replace your income with your side hustle income, that you could quit your job. Is that is that what you did? Like, were you literally, let's say you made $100,000 a year at your teaching job. Were you required to make $100,000? Did you just say $100,000 right? like, at the teaching job? Wait, <laughs> like, wait a second. 
Okay, if you live in Oklahoma, did you replace your $24,000 a year teaching salary with $24,000 in your side hustle? Or was there a certain point where, I mean, because then that becomes two full-time jobs. I know for myself, there was definitely a leap I had to take, and I was making a certain amount of money, but there are only so many hours in the day to be side hustling, right? That's such a great question. And so the five-year plan, I think, was more from the confidence standpoint of like, oh, I can do this, and I'm giving myself five years to do it. That's ba- like, like there was I can no do plan. it in five years. In five years, I'm going to be so much more boss. <laughs> I'm going to have my shit figured out. I will feel ready. That's actually how I feel about getting fillings at the dentist. I'm like, you know <laughs> I'll do that in five years. years. I'll be a lot more brave in five years. (laughs) So I just want to say, like, I am like you ladies in that, like, I can sometimes hardly figure out what I'm doing today, let alone next week. So if you ask me right now, like, what's your plan? What's your five-year plan now? I have no clue. It was a five-year dream. You had a five-year dream. It was a five-year dream. Probably not a five-year plan. Yeah. I like that a whole lot better. (laughs) But you know what's so- interesting about that? Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. But I think that it's easier to think of your life in a five-year plan whenever you are working a day job where there is just one track of progress and success. There is only one ladder, right? But whenever you're working for yourself, it's really hard to imagine having a five-year plan because you can build 18 ladders and you can build them at different heights over the course of five years, right? It's just, I think part of being boss and being an entrepreneur is really leaning into the uncertainty that anything can happen for better and worse over the course of five years. Hopefully for the better. Amen totally. to that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about like taking – whenever people take this leap. I feel like I can't talk about taking the leap anymore because like I'm so far beyond that. I don't even remember what that was like, like way back then. Um, but the idea that I feel like we – we feel like we have to go into it with a five-year plan. Like, that's expected. Like, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a business owner, you have to know, like, what's out there for you to be working towards um, in terms of, like, hard goals of, like, I'm going to have this much revenue in five years and I'm going to have this many clients and I'm going to be doing this and doing that. And, um, like, the joy of this this job that we create for ourselves is you never know what opportunities are going to come around. Like if you had went into like being a photographer and made your five-year plan of like in five years, I'm going to have like this many like editorial spots and I'm going to like be making this much per client. Like you probably would have totally like shut off that extra ladder of like, no, I'm actually going to turn this into a teaching platform that allows me to share with a wider group of people or whatever it may be. I think that, that adjusting that sort of mindset around, like what happens in the corporate world and how things behave out there in business is very different from what happens in like our group of creatives who are like passion driven and monetize online in whatever way you need to to get your job done. Yeah, and I think being open to changing course is super important. But to go back to yeah, what you were asking about, like how how did you side hustling? I went details about What were your days like at work? What were your evenings like at home? And at what point did you say, okay, this is like I've hit my metrics or I've proven to myself that I can quit? Tell us the whole journey. Details. All of them. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, all of it, please. (laughs) So this is such a great story because the way I thought it was going to turn out was not how it turned out at all. Yeah. How did you think it was going to turn out? 
uh, I thought I was going to have all this money in the bank and I was going to be like, all right, I got my day job income. Let me quit now. And everything was How really- How much imbi- money in the bank? Like uh, six, uh, so, six months of living expenses or a no, year? No, my or- husband and I had a conversation about what sum of money felt right to make the leap. And for me, that was $20,000 in the bank. That was not my teaching salary. I did make more than that. But that was what felt a little bit more than that. Not- yeah. <laughs> it was not 20,000 and it was not 100,000. It was somewhere in there. <laughs> um, but 20,000 was the magic number where we felt like there was enough of a cushion that I could take the leap. And when I started, I would also tell people, and I also went, didn't want to like blow my cover at work of like, I'm going to leave you guys soon. Um, but I would say to people, like, I don't hate my job right now. And in the beginning, I didn't. I still loved my job working with kids and working with students. My main job when I was leaving was to teach teachers how to use creative technology in the classroom. So it was kind of like what I was doing with photography. I teach moms how to master their big fancy camera now. So it wasn't a far cry from what I was doing in my day job. And I loved it. And then I started side hustling. And I loved that work even more. So the idea that I was building and creating something on my own was really, really enticing. And to get your nitty gritty of like what my days look like. So my daughter at the time was about a year old and she, my mother-in-law used to watch her. And then we did like a hybrid of my mother-in-law would watch her. And then she started to do a little bit of daycare and preschool. And so I would drop my daughter off. We would wake up at five in the morning. I commuted an hour. On my drive to work, I would listen to books on tape, like inspiring, like businessy type things. Podcasts weren't really a big thing then, um, but I would do Audible and I would listen to books on tape. And then uh, I would go do my day job. Don't tell my old boss, but I used to have my my like personal email open while I was like responding to work emails. So if something urgent came in, I could still reply to it because <laughs> I had an office. I don't feel guilty talking about that now that I'm like, I'm three years out from having quit my job. <laughs> uh, I know. I love talking to side hustlers and I'm like, is there any of this that you could be doing at your day job? Yeah. And once <laughs> I knew. it comes to finding time. Yeah. Once it was like, I knew I was going to quit. I just needed to find that extra little bit of time. I would do that during the day. I, I used to say to people too, like, when you're in a corporate job, you're allowed to take breaks. You're allowed to go on a five-minute walk, a 10-minute walk, a lunch break. Like, a school is a little bit different in how it operates. But I was like, I'm going to think about this as I'm taking my 15-minute break, but I'm going to use it to reply to these personal emails. <clears throat> and I never felt guilty about that. Um, I would leave my teaching job. I was fortunate that I had a little bit of a different job in education where I didn't have to stay hours after school was over. So I would leave at about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. I would pick up my daughter, do the drive home. Because we woke up so early, she, my daughter went to bed early. So we would feed her dinner. We would get her in bed by about 6.30 or 7. And then I would work in the evenings either writing a blog post, teaching my classes from about 7.30 to 10 in the evening. And that wasn't every night, but most nights I was doing something. I look back on it now and I was like, wow, I can't work in the evenings anymore like I used to be able to. <laughs> you don't but that's what I had to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to anymore. Um, but like I look back on it, I'm like, it was crazy, but it wasn't because 
my five-year plan turned into a three-year plan. And on year three was when my job, my day job shifted. The work that I was doing, they kind of changed what my role was in the school building. And I got really, really frustrated. So, so you were side hustling for three years where you were going to work and then coming home and basically working from seven to 10 every evening? Yes. Um, yeah, I did And at that. any point of that, did you feel discouraged? I mean, I work on, realistically, I work on about a one-year timeline. Like, I can usually see one year out. But even then, for example, Emily and I are working on writing a book and giving a talk. And those things feel like side hustles to our day job, which is recording the podcast, um, attending to the clubhouse, doing those different things. So... For me, even after just a few weeks, I'm like, when are we going to see a return on this? Like, I get all stressed out if I can't see the end game. So did you ever feel discouraged or unmotivated? How did you keep focus? I think I felt discouraged. I had a little bit of the imposter syndrome complex going on where I would see other people that were ahead of me and get discouraged there. But I was also making money during that time, too. So I could also see my own financial gains happening. I had enough money to be able to pay for coaches to continue mentoring me and teaching me what kind of my next steps were. And I was probably pretty evenly splitting my income into I'm going to pay for more coaching and I'm going to save a little bit for being able to eventually quit. I love that you were investing 50% of your side hustle income into your business. Obviously, you were still paying the bills with your day job and you were not starving or going into debt for these things. I'm curious, do you feel like you've really seen a return on that investment? Do you think that you would be where you are now if you hadn't gotten some of that coaching or mentoring or masterminding along the way? No, I needed the coaching and mentoring and masterminding. It wouldn't have happened because I don't think I had any sort of framework in my brain for how you build a creative business. Uh, so I needed that person to kind of – I had the creative vision, but I needed somebody to help me with the execution piece and to keep me motivated on building a list and building a community and building an audience and how do you do that and – I would say that that three years that I was spending, I was working in one-year chunks because I was developing an online class, teaching an online class, developing an online class, teaching an online class. And I would teach it multiple times. And I was able to see like, oh, there's people signing up for this multiple times. So I knew that there was forward momentum and movement. Uh, year three, I started my job and was miserable. <laughs> and that was when... I knew, I, I knew probably in about October of that school year that it was going to be my last school year. I hadn't come out and told anybody that yet. And I realized I was holding myself back from giving myself permission because I came home from work one day and I was miserable and I was talking to my husband about it. And I think I literally just like burst into tears on the couch. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because there wasn't that $20,000 in the bank. Um, but I had a plan to make that $20,000. Sorry. Uh, I had a plan to make that $20,000 by the end of the year. And I'm crying and I'm miserable. And my husband goes, well, then just 
quit like at the end of the year. Let this be your last year. And my husband, who I thought was the one that was, he's the financial guy. He's an accountant. Um, I thought he was going to be the one that was going to be like, well, the money's not in the bank. You can't quit yet. And he was the one that was finally like, if this is going to make you so much happier, then do it. Like, we'll, we'll float for six months and then take stock of what's going on and see what's happening. And I, I love the idea of manifesting your dreams. I believe that you have to do the work as well. But from a manifesting standpoint, I had been building this like signature course during that entire school year. I had already resigned. And in the month before I quit my job, I launched my this like new signature course. And uh, it was a $20,000 launch. And so I left yeah. my day job. Yeah, with that $20,000 in the bank, which was so exciting. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. huge. I have a question about the $20,000. <laughs> how yeah. did you get how did you get to that number? Was it like a certain amount of living expenses? Was it just a gut check feeling? Was it how did you get to that number? It was a gut check feeling. I'm terrible with money. I mean, obviously I'm not cuz I'm living like and working my my passion business but i'm terrible enough with money to not budget well but twenty thousand dollars felt right and have you been good ever since like so you took the leap you quit your job you have that twenty thousand dollar launch were you able to contain or were you able to maintain momentum and keep going did your salary on your side hustle which is now your full-time gig did that start to increase for you what did you see happen after you quit your day job with turning your side hustle now into a full-time gig? I see myself freaking out with money about every six months. (laughs) It's been three years, and like every summer, my business pretty much has a slow season. Uh, My clients are moms. They're home with their kids for the summer. You'd think three years in, I'd like plan for this a little bit better, but no, I don't. And I am typically freaking out about money every summer. But with that being said, it always picks up again in the fall. And I've been able to make it work. I think it now that since I side hustled for three years and I have a lot of courses and programs and offerings, I can kind of pull things out and rejigger them or like I have a lot of... I have like a bag of tricks now. I mean, it's not a bag of tricks, but yes, it's like, it oh, <laughs> I can, I can pivot and I can switch and I can make money this way or, and I hate to bring it all about money because I'm so passionate about the ladies that I work with and serving them and teaching them. But I feel like there's just a lot more options since I put the work in and done the time. And yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and and I don't think that money is something even you need to, like, apologize for. Whenever I think about the people who are listening to this, like, the money is the reason why they haven't taken the leap yet or the thing that they are freaking out about as well. Like, the passion will always be there, but, well, hopefully. But it's, like, it's the money that holds people back and, like, that sense of security and stuff. So I love that you – I love that you spent this time uh, filling your bag of trips, tricks, which is exactly what I'm going to be calling it now. Um, <laughs> and that you can now sort of pull them out and launch them whenever you feel a need to sort of release that content again. Um, digital products are one of my favorite things about online business and that you can you can do them like that. You spend some time hustling out the work and making it do. And then – you have them and you can just sort of make money on them whenever you want, but like money and also impact. 
on the people right. that you're serving in the process. Yeah, and I'd say things have shifted and changed in the last three years. I did – a big year was the year I um, – I went above my teaching salary. Yes, so my yeah. income was above my teaching salary and that was super exciting. But being a passion-based business, it's always shifting and evolving and changing. So through this mastermind program we're in together, you've kind of seen this new pivot coming to life that I've been going through. And that's the other thing that I think a lot of side hustlers don't realize that it's allowed to change and it's allowed to shift. But you don't have to necessarily start over every time either. Ooh, I want to talk about that for a second because we have been watching your rebrand happening. Um, and so I want to talk about like coming into your own a little bit. Like, so you've side hustled for three years. You've main hustled for three years. And now like this rebrand, like tell me a little bit about what got you to the point to want to do this, what it's going to mean for the future of your business and how you sort of came to this point where you want what comes next. I think it was wrestling with the what I should be doing with what I really want to be doing and really coming back into alignment with the why and why I started my business in the first place. Not that my business ever fell out of alignment with the why, just to give a little background on what I actually do. So I started teaching a photography class that was based in healing from the grief process. So it was all about using your camera in healing ways. And then from there, I taught another class to any mom that wanted to learn to find her identity or to heal from some sort of pain that she was going through. So that was my second class. And then I moved away from that a little bit because I had been teaching locally, a class on how to get out of auto mode, which is a very like technical, it kind of tapped into what I was doing in my day job. I can teach the technical skills to moms just as well as I can teach the heart-centered stuff. So that was my signature course. It was teaching moms how to get out of auto mode. And I think in the three years that I was main hustling my business, I start started to feel a little bit of that pressure of like, well, the thing that's going to sell the most is being able to sell the the technical class. Like I can give people a tangible win if they're taking the technical class. You're going to be in auto mode by the time you're done. The The tangible sell is harder when it's very heart-centered, but it's also more meaningful. And as I started figuring out, well, where am I going to go from here? How am I going to up-level my impact? The only way I saw to do that is by going back to my roots of helping moms find their identity and that heart-centered piece. And I'm still going to be able to teach the other stuff in there as well. But the rebrand process has been how can I really be the most forward-facing with the personal identity piece. So I kind of want to transition into talking a little bit more about being a mom and being a boss. And even just now, you are having to tell your daughter to like give you just 10 more minutes to finish this conversation. <laughs> so I would love to talk a little bit about, I mean – about maybe the sacrifices that you had to make whenever you were side hustling. I I really struggle with the idea, like, can we really have it all? And especially as women who are wanting to grow our families and nurture those relationships while at the same time being totally boss, like, we do not apologize for the goals that we have in our business, but it's really, it can be difficult to juggle all of it, and I really don't think that I can have it all, and at, there are times whenever my family life is, uh, you know, being sacrificed 
for my business life. And then sometimes vice versa. If I need to really focus on my family, I might not be able to write that blog post this week. I might not be able to launch that thing in two months. It might take me three months or four months. So I feel like there is always a give and take. And I would love to hear about some of that give and take in your life as a side hustler, but then also once you did go full time with being a working mom, what has that been like? There's definitely give and take. I feel like I didn't have to give too much when I was side hustling because that's just what life was. I felt like I was going to have to be teaching for my entire life. So I thought that I was resigned to have my daughter daycare forever. She was in bed by 630 anyways. So I didn't feel like I had to give up too much time when I was side hustling. It was a wake up call when I quit my job, though, how to balance all of it. And I agree with you that I don't think you can have it all. I actually got like a bitch slap from a mentor of mine in my first year like home. Like a real one? Uh, over the phone bitch oh, slap. Like, yeah, no, not a real one. You're going to get in trouble say, for saying no. bitch slapped. <laughs> but so I was on a, I was on a phone conversation with her and I was really, really sad that I couldn't go. There was some like school event or something that I was missing because I was home working my business and we were talking about it. And I was like, I feel like I'm trying so hard to strike this balance of being a stay-at-home mom and being a working mom. And she's like, well, are you really trying to be a stay-at-home mom? And it, like, stopped me dead in my tracks. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I have zero interest in being a stay-at-home mom. I wanted the flexibility in my schedule. And the year I quit was the year my daughter started full-blown preschool. And I wanted that flexibility to, on a weekday, if I wanted to just say, I'm done with work today, to be able to take her to the park or take her out for ice cream or do those things. I didn't have that flexibility in my day job. But I've also been totally okay with hiring a babysitter for the summer or putting her in camp because I'm equally as passionate about working my business And I also want her to be able to see that, like, she is a strong, independent mom who's going to go after her dreams. That's what I want her to be able to do also. Yeah, I feel like I feel like what you touched on a second ago about the struggle really happening when you quit your day job being something that I hear so often from creatives who finally take that leap is there are. They think that they're just going to be able to like get into their structure and their routine and it be fine. But then there's like a time explosion where they have all this time, but also not enough of it (laughs) and no idea as to what to do with any of it. And I think that um, I think that buckling down can be super difficult, but also not impossible and even harder when you have a kid at home. So like I would love to hear how you found that structure in in your new life of working for yourself at home. Yeah, that was really hard. So some of the structure was built in because her starting preschool, I had work hours from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. It was only three hours. I was what? shocked. That's yeah. like enough time to drop her off and get home. <laughs> exactly. Take, maybe make yourself back. a snack. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to go back and get her again. <laughs> 8 to 11. So, wow. Yeah, 8 to 11. That's what <laughs> okay, I had. So from the hours of 8 to 11. <laughs> right. And then, well, and she still napped for a while. She was a late napper. So she would come home and take a nap. 
The frustrating thing was I had to work when she was at school or when she was napping. And being a writer and being a creative, like, sometimes the desire to write would strike at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'd be like, well, crap, what am I going to do now? Uh, some yeah, days- I think that's interesting that before you were side hustling from 7 to 11, so you had almost gotten into this circadian rhythm, right, with your own work style and your own work time. And so to really shift that work time is really interesting. Or to even, I was curious, if you were able to turn it off now in the evening, like now that your side hustle has become your day job. I still work in the evenings sometimes. I don't do all the work in the evenings anymore, but that was really hard to turn off. I felt like I had to be working in the evening still. And sometimes I did because of the three-hour preschool schedule. <laughs> um, but I can't help. I love – she was in full-blown preschool for, for three, three hours, hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about, like, why – I'm curious why didn't you keep her in daycare after you quit? Did you feel like finances, financially okay. – Financially, we couldn't afford if I was going to – yeah, yeah. So that's why we didn't do it. So I had to find that balance. Um, but I was able to shift to doing more mindless tasks in the evening. I found in the evenings I was replying to a few emails or I was checking in on Facebook with my students in my class groups, those types of things I could do in the morning or in the evenings. And in the mornings I was really, that's usually my genius time for writing. So I would drop her off at preschool and then I'd come home and I'd try to write something. Nice. So still it's about, it was about finding or at least dealing with the structure that you had and making use of it in the best way that you could. Yep. I was also, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about screen time. And I know that that's a huge hot button issue for moms and parents in particular. And I, we don't set a whole lot of screen time limits. I don't, it's all about balance for me there. And so if there were, was a day where I knew I was in the middle of a huge launch, I'm like, just watch a couple of hours of cartoons. We'll go out to the park later and we'll get our outside time. So it's been about being okay with some of those limits and being more lenient on those than maybe some of my other parent counterparts or friends are. Well, I think that also just takes us back around to like the idea that maybe we can't have it all or I think we can, but not at the same time. <laughs> like, I think we're perfectly capable of accomplishing anything we want, just not all at once or not all in like the t- same time span. Like, yes, I'm going to have a, the most amazing, like, structured business that's profitable and awesome. But it's not going to be at the exact same time that I'm, like, spending a month, like, road tripping with my family. Like, the one has to give for a minute for the other to flourish. And I think that getting okay with that rhythm, with those ebbs and flows of, I don't know, this intentional imbalance is just as important as striving for actual balance. Yeah, and I structured my business around being a lifestyle business. So the things that I'm doing for my business and my clients and my customers fit into that space. So I also feel like I'm able to do work even though I'm not doing work. Right? Like, I'm away with my family, but I'm taking pictures of them, and then I'm sharing that with my clients. So, and I think it is all about figuring out what you want out of this business journey and just making sure you're in alignment there. Like, my mom days are my mom days, and my business days are my business days. So, yeah. And then sometimes you sleep. 
Sometimes. <laughs> no, I sleep a lot. <laughs> oh, that's right. You were the sleeper. Good. That's right. Beryl and I are sleepers and love sunshine. Yes. Right. Both of those things. Kathleen loves her not sleeping and her cold weather. <laughs> I don't love not sleeping, but I was telling you guys at our mastermind retreat, if I could just live north of the wall, if I could always just be dressed in furs right? and hanging out in snow, climbing a mountain, that's my happy place that's, for sure. That's my version of hell right there. Right there. <laughs> Kathleen, we'll just have to meet in the middle. Uh, Beryl, it's been so awesome talking about work and life and being a mom and side hustling. I hope that our listeners have really seen that it's not some fantasy, but it is kind of just this everyday step that you take toward your goals and really knowing what those are, if it's $20,000 in the bank, if it's the flexibility to be able to take an afternoon off with your kid, and really just not taking those things for granted. I've found that for me, being a working mom, um, sometimes my job feels so demanding and it's hard to see like, oh, wait, I have a lot of flexibility here and just appreciating it. Yeah, it's all about commitment and just enjoying the journey while you're on it. Right, and a healthy dose of gratitude. Totally. Amen. All right, so we would love it if you have any sort of last advice for our listeners, like either side hustlers or work-at-home moms, like a piece of advice for being boss. Oh, you guys saved the hardest question for last. (laughs) (laughs) It's always our intention. Yeah, I know. What makes you feel most boss whenever you're hustling it out, being Ah, a mom? Connecting. That's, I think, the perfect word that I can impart onto your people. When you're connecting with your family, make sure you're present and connecting with them. When you're connecting with your business, make sure you're connecting in a way that allows you to really see the impact you're making in the world. Amen. Yes. So good. Thank you so much, Beryl, for joining us. We've loved having you on the show. Thank you. Hey there, bosses. I've been around the block with email marketing platforms. I've used them for myself, set my clients up on them, and I've tested most of the systems out there. And what I learned is that it's not about a long list of features and a gazillion options. It's about a simple, easy to use interface that puts the most important content and metrics right at your fingertips. For my email marketing, I use ConvertKit. It's easy to use, from sending out a blast to my list to having quick access to the metrics that allow me to make smart decisions for my business on the fly. One of the things I love most about ConvertKit, as a boss who knows websites and hungers for good metrics, is how easy it is for me to see how effective a form is on my website. Right on the dashboard, I get a bird's eye view of every form I have across my online presence. I can see what forms are performing best and see if it's because of where it's placed on my site or maybe from a new opt-in incentive that I'm trying out. Easy metrics like that are what allow me to keep my business fresh and ConvertKit makes that possible. Try ConvertKit for free for 30 days. Go to convertkit.com slash beingboss to learn more. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Please be sure to visit our website at beingboss.club where you can find show notes for this episode, listen to past episodes, and discover more of our content that will help you be boss in work and life. Did you like this episode? Please share it with a friend and show us some love by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Do the work. 
Be boss, and we'll see you next week. Hold on a second. Yes. Please don't bother me anymore. Please don't bother me. Go have what you would like. She's going to have such a stomach ache. <laughs> you can have whatever you want. Go whatever eat all the snacks want, in go. the pantry. Don't eat peanut butter. <laughs> She's peanut allergy. Oh, God. Don't touch the peanut butter. That is, oh. <laughs> That's a real mom boss moment.